Good morning, family. It's so good to be with you guys. We've been studying First Peter since the beginning of the year, selected passages. Now we stopped and took a break to talk about worship-based prayer, and uh, now we've stopped again for this week and la- this week and last week to talk about generosity. Next week, though, we'll get back to First Peter and go through Palm Sunday, and we're talking about how to have hope and the challenges in your marriage. That's something we all can use, right? So start reading First Peter 3 and see what God reveals uh, to you about that. I have a question for you. How much money does one need to earn yearly to be rich? So what would you, what's rich in your category? I mean, if you could just be given a job that would make you rich, how much would you want? You say, not, you say, now I'm officially rich. Okay? Well, there's a study done uh, by YouGov, that is, and they said, how much do you need to earn to feel rich? Well, if people in the poll were earning under $25,000, they said they would be rich with $293,000. People making between 30 and 60K said they would be satisfied with $394,000. Between 60 and 120k, they'd be satisfied and rich at 426,000. And if a person was making over 200k, they wanted a half a million. That's certifiably rich. <laughs> well, being rich is in the eye of the beholder. John Rockefeller, who was the founder of Standard Oil, uh, became the first billionaire in the world in the early 1900s. And of course, he still is the most wealthiest man in modern days uh, because, of course, a billion was worth a lot more back then than it is uh, today. And he was asked by a reporter, John, how much is enough money? You've probably heard this before. What did he say? Just a little more. Right? Just A little more. Here's a guy who's the richest man on the planet, and he's still not satisfied. You see, friends, when we put our hope in our money, in our riches, we we try to fulfill an appetite that can never be filled. You can chase riches for the rest of your life, and you will never find the fulfillment that you'll find in putting Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. And Jesus Christ, he, he really spoke straight about this stuff. Matthew six twenty four. Listen to this verse. No one can serve two masters, for one he will hate and the one and love the other. For all will be devoted to the, devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Wow, just think about that. We're going to be a slave to something. All right? Are you going to be a slave to money? Or are you going to be a slave to God? Is money going to be top priority in your list because it buys the experiences and the possessions that you want? Or is God going to be the priority in your life? It's like money is the barometer of our spiritual life. How generous we are toward God shows how much God has of our heart. And of course reads in the Shema in the New Testament, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your arm. He wants all of you 
He wants you to be consumed with Him. But He knows the one indicator that will tell you how much of your heart have you given to Him is the way you spend your money and how much you give to the kingdom. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. We talked about that last week, that your money follows your heart. Whatever's the most important thing in your life, that's where you're going to find your money. At the same time, if you put your treasure in the kingdom, then your heart will follow that. Wherever you put your money, your heart's going to follow. So by being more generous toward God, you can grow your relationship with Him. Because you're saying, God, You are the most important thing in my life. God wants our heart. So think about, think about this. Are you a slave to God? Or are you a slave to money? That's really the question. Well, Paul teaches Timothy, the pastor that he was discipling, about giving. And what he says in 1 Timothy 6.17, As for the rich in this present age, how many are rich here? Financially, I mean, you've got it all. Okay. Well, no, I don't think anybody would say in this room, I am truly rich. Because again, <laughs> we all have different ideas of what rich is, and normally it's much higher than what we're making <laughs> at a particular time, right? So, as for the rich in this present age, we've got to remember that the majority of uh, the church members back in the early church were slaves. They hardly had anything. But there were some people who were not slaves that did have some resources. So this is kind of a special instruction that Timothy should give specifically to those who have extra. As for the rich in this present age, this world, charge them, it's a command, not to be haughty. Boy, it's easy to become haughty, isn't it? When you get more money, you get more status, and you just tend to lean more toward self-dependence than God-dependence. Nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Riches are so uncertain. They can disappear in a moment. But I say probably a majority of the Christ followers are slaves to money instead of slaves to God. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. So really, it comes down to faith. It comes down to, do you really believe that? That if you're generous toward God, that He is going to take care of your needs. I love it. Who richly provides us the minimum, the bare minimum to exist. <laughs> no! He says, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. God wants us to celebrate this life and enjoy all the wonderful things that He's given us. And He's promised to be your provider. And you've got to ask yourself the question, do you really believe that He will provide for you. Nothing you have to realize about God. He's not, he's, not in, he's not impressed with big checks. He doesn't care how many zeros are behind letter one. What he's concerned about is the percentage of income you give to the church. So if you have a guy who 
gives, let's say, 10,000 to the church. And if he only makes 50,000, well, that's like a 20% of his income. If a guy who gives 10,000, but he earns 200,000, that's only 5%. So God is not concerned about the amount of the check. He's concerned about how much you are giving out of your abundance. Remember the story when Jesus Christ took his disciples and they were watching uh, the temple and they had these treasury boxes out there where people would drop their money for the temple. And of course, rich people came along and they wanted to make sure everybody knew you know, how much they were giving, <laughs> be impressed. And then the widow came along. And of course, Jesus knew the widow because he's God. And uh, she just put these two copper coins in. Two copper coins. And the interesting thing is that a denarius was one day's wage. A denarius. Well, this was one one twenty-eighth of a day's wage. It was like six minutes that a person would be working where they would earn this much money. But the most impressive thing is she gave it all to God. And you know, people are looking at her, and maybe the disciples were, and I go, well, that's foolish. What are you doing? Well, God led her to do that. He doesn't lead everybody to do that, but for some reason she was led to give everything because she had an incredible faith in God that He would meet her needs. Friends, we learn a lot from that story. It's not how much you have. It's, again, the percentage which reflects your faith in God that He's going to provide for you financially. Let's look at how most Americans give. There's a a pattern that we see. Uh, They give spontaneously, which means it just comes along, you know, the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, uh, fundraising letter, uh, something they see on TV. Then they give sporadically, so uh, they just give once in a while. And then they give sparingly. They don't give a whole lot when they give. And that's the pattern. So they don't think about charity. They don't think about giving to the church just as it comes up, just to assuage their guilt or whatever. You know, they give money to some organization. And friends, unfortunately, this is the way a lot of Christians think. You know, they give when they come to the service and take out a ten uh, or a one. You know, the loneliest bill. <laughs> but as you look at this, um, we need to give in a different way. And as I studied the Bible, uh, this is what I believe in terms of a method of giving. So the next slide, the giving pattern for God's children. So first of all, you give to God first. Why do you give God first? To show Him that He is the source of all you have. Then you give by percentage. You pick a, you pick a percentage. You pre-decide. Most people don't pre-decide what they're going to give to charity. But you pre-decide how much you're going to give to God's kingdom. Now, the idea of, of giving is that, you know, like General Burke saying, the, the basement was 10%, is that you should continue to increase the percentage as God blesses you. I want to talk about tithing. And tithing is uh, very familiar to many people. 
and it was practiced in the Old uh, Testament. I really believe it's a great guide for us today. I think it's one of the best ways to approach your giving for a lot of different reasons. Uh, the tithe, of course, means a tenth of your income. And sometimes people ask, is that before tax or after taxes? And I say, well, it depends on how you want to be blessed. You can make that decision. <laughs> Leviticus 27.30, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. So, when you look at Old Testament giving, they actually gave 23% a year. Some of it was to care for the needy and different type of things, but the tithe was the core. And tithing, we see before the law came into existence, uh, Abraham and Jacob uh, gave a tithe. And we see the same type of principle as we move throughout Scripture. The more, the more you give, the more God is going to bless you. Now, we don't have to, we don't need blessings. He's our God, but He always blesses us much more than we ever uh, bless Him. Uh, the second reason, or let's take a look at uh, uh, making God first, okay? To put God first. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Uh, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Now, that's just the principle of giving and receiving, uh, sowing and reaping. God says, listen, the more you put me in that top priority, the more you serve me, I'm going to bless you and take care of your life. Now, the first fruits were whatever they were growing, uh, root, grain. In fact, at the grain harvest, uh, they would be ready to harvest the grain. But what they would do is they would take a portion of the grain. Everybody, everybody in Israel would take a portion of the grain and take it to the temple to be sacrificed. It was a festival of first fruits. And that was a way of reminding people that God is a source of this resource. God is the one who gave them to us. You always got to remember that. You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, I've done this, I've done that, and, you know, I deserve this kind of money and that kind of... No, 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 no. God provides that for you uh, to do His work in the kingdom. Uh, the second reason for the tithe is to provide for God's work. So when you give to the kingdom of God through Springbrook Community Church, you are helping us to hire staff, keep staff, in order that they may disciple you and train you in the way that God desires. I think of Rich who was up here. <laughs> he covers so many areas. He's such a blessing, as the rest of the staff are. Uh, our staff work very, very hard. And so please pray for them on a regular uh, basis. It also pays for this beautiful building. Uh, that we have. What a beautiful place to be a disciple-making community. We have no regrets, men's conferences in here. Uh, we've got a beautiful area for the kids back there in Kids City. Uh, you think about the things that happen during the week. Awana, uh, we have uh, junior high and senior high ministries, and Justin uh, has a real gift there. Uh, and, and communicating to these kids on their own level. Well, that's all you we don't get money from outside organizations. 
We're depending on you to give faithfully. That's the way God designed it. That's how He said it would happen. You know, you, you got to give to your local body. And so that's another reason why it's so important. Well, let's look at the purpose, uh, or let's look at, again, the purpose of the tithe. Let's look at uh, heart transformation. Heart transformation. Uh, this is really the main reason. And this is why I'm so excited to share this information with you, because if you're not tithing and you feel led to tithe as we move through this material, it's going to be one of the best spiritual decisions you ever make. It's going to transform your life. You're going to experience blessings like you never have had before. Now, it's not always financial, but God is going to take care of you. And when you put your treasure with God, then your eyes will naturally turn to God and you'll keep in the right alignment uh, with Him. So, about the tithe, uh, I, I uh, think it's such a, a powerful step to take. Because it is a step of faith for many people. I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to tithe. But God always provides. Now, there's another line of thought about giving that we see in the Bible and people interpret it in this way. And that is grace giving. They said, oh, forget the tithe. That was in the Old Testament. All right, that's the, under the old law. Uh, that was just for the Israelites. Now we're in the new covenant with Jesus Christ. So he doesn't demand a certain amount. He just says, give as you have been given to. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So that would be the grace-based uh, giving. And I agree with the grace-based giving. Each one must give what he has decided in his heart. He sought God out in terms of what percentage he's going to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. They're not guilty about it. They're doing it because they, they love to do it. For God loves a cheerful giver. God loves when we have the attitude when we give to Him that we're filled with joy because He's done everything for us. And just showing Him generosity honors and worships Him more. Now the reason that uh, I talk about tithing is that sometimes with grace giving, uh, people give less than a tithe or, or they'll break up the tithe. And they'll give, you know, 3% to this ministry, 3% to the church. Well, that's not what the Bible teaches in the basic principles as we look through uh, the Word. And I think it's a great question that Randy Elkhorn has in his Treasure Principle book. Uh, what he says is, is grace giving retrogressive? Is grace giving retrogressive? So let's say you're a grace giver. The tithe is no longer, you know, a part of what we should be involved in. How much do you give? Well, typically you find that people believe in grace giving give less than a tithe. Not always the case, but they give less than a tithe. Now, this is the question that he asks. Does God expect His new covenant children to give less or more? We're the wealthiest nation on the earth. And He was given these commands to the richest, or excuse me, poorest Israelites. Isn't that true when you think about it? I mean, what he required of people in that day to show him honor 
was 10%. Okay, so just throw that out for a second and say, okay, now we're under the new covenant. We talked about the great privileges of being part of the kingdom of God last week. I mean, we are just the most blessed people on earth. And we're going to give less than 10%? We're going to give less? I don't think so. I mean, everything we see in the New Testament, there's a higher standard. Old Testament, do not murder. New Testament, don't even think about murdering someone. That's always higher. So it doesn't make any sense that you would give less than the Israelites were giving to God. Because we are so much more blessed by them being saved by Christ, being filled with the Spirit, and our lives uh, transformed. Is it less than important to prove God faithful in our finances than it was in those days? Is God to be honored any less today than He was in that day? Now we look at Malachi, one of the last books of the Bible, Old Testament that is, and we see the prophet Malachi ministering to the people of Israel. And they were just going through the motions. They were not really interested in putting God first in their lives. Uh, they came uh, not with the best lamb, as the Scripture called for, but they came with the worst lamb, the one that was blind, the one that was lame. <laughs> so their heart was not devoted to God. They were a slave to money and not to God. So we read through this, and it says, From the days of your fathers... Uh, Malachi is saying through God, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? They said, okay, we want to get back engaged. Tell us what to do. Well, he says, will a man rob God? It's you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. It's interesting, that's the one issue he goes to. He doesn't say pray more or worship more. He goes right to the heart of the matter. Uh, your heart is not devoted to me. You're a slave to money and not a slave to God. And so he says, you've got to start obeying me again in this area because you're robbing me. People who don't give to God, who are members of the body of Christ, if you don't give anything, well, that's a sin. I mean, the New Testament is very clear you should be a grace giver. And you figure the tithe into that. And again, it's a growth process, one might say. I mean, people sometimes grow slowly in this area. Some people take the plunge and they start tithing. But the most important thing is you continue to seek God out in this area. And then we get the well-known passage in Malachi 3:11, "Bring the full fruit, excuse me, bring the full tithe in the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and therefore put me to the test." Now, God said it was wrong to put him to the test, but this is the one area in Scripture He says, "Test me out on this." It says the Lord of Hosts, "If I will not open the windows of blessings for you and pour down for you a blessing until." There is no more need. So what he's saying is, if you want to get connected to me, you bring what I've asked you to bring into the storehouse and your other offerings. And I am going to take care of you. You're going to have wonderful crops. You're going to, life will be better than it is before. 
And that's a test. He says, you go ahead and do this, and let's see what happens. Well, out of that particular passage, uh, we've come up uh, with uh, a challenge. Could I have the green sheet, please? Thank you. Everybody could take this out of your worship folder. Okay? This is a biblical stewardship commitment. The concept of tithing is a biblical method of financially supporting the church and its ministries. Tithing means contributing 10% of one's income to the storehouse, the place where they're part of a spiritual family, the church they attend. If you do not tithe, you're encouraged to practice the biblical principle for the next three months. First, you decide to commit the first 10% of your weekly income to the storehouse. After that, 90 days, if it has created a financial crisis or you did not receive a blessing, your money will be returned. <laughs> and it will. Every dime you gave will give back to you. Okay? Because we just want to creatively challenge you to take a step of faith that most people don't do. And some people say, well, I, I have a lot of debt and stuff like that. Well, maybe one of the reasons you have a lot of debt is because you were a slave to money. And if you want your finances to change, the best thing is to go to the source of every good gift and say, Lord, I'm honoring you with the tithe, and I'm going to trust you uh, for the rest. So, again, you tithe to God because I believe it's what He desires on a minimum basis. Now, again, you want to continue uh, to give as more resources come to you. Uh, some of you have been tithing forever, and that's great. But have you ever thought about going above the tithe? Remember how John Orberg said, the basement, that's where the giving should start. But it shouldn't stop there. It should increase as God blesses you. You ever wonder why God gave you extra? You ever wonder that? When you compare yourself to the rest of the world, you think of refugees who are just living in tents and fed food. They have nothing. Why are we so blessed in this nation? Well, friends, if you're a Christ follower and you're rich, <laughs> the reason that God gives you extra resources is not to raise your standard of living, but it's to raise your standard of giving. What? No, wait a second. I earned that money. I just assumed it was mine. No, it's not yours. <laughs> so, whenever you get a windfall, you want to tithe that. Uh, whenever anything else happens, go to the Lord and seek His will out in that way. This is pretty radical, isn't it? Yeah. Right. That's why a lot of people don't do it, because it's really too radical. But again, if we're going to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ, we have to take uh, a step of faith. Put our faith in God say, yes, I am going to do that. Even though it doesn't make any sense at the moment. <laughs> well, I would encourage you uh, this morning, if the Holy Spirit has moved in your heart and you're ready to take the tithing challenge here, uh, to fill out the information below. Uh, first of all, I will begin tithing if you haven't tithed in the past, uh, or I will become a liberal giver 
Now, that's really what a grace giver is, somebody who gives beyond the tithe, somebody who increases their giving beyond the minimum, uh, one might say. And then you can fill that out. Also, I know a lot of people struggle with their finances. Uh, we're hoping to offer a financial peace university uh, this spring. We're still working on it, trying to find a leader. Uh, so if you'd be interested in coming to financial peace, it's a a very, very powerful course with Dame Ram Dave Ramsey. And he teaches you how to budget, teaches how you invest, and all those different things. It's like nine sessions. Write down financial peace at the bottom of your insert. And then if we are able to put everything together, uh, we'll give you a call or we'll keep you on the list for the next time. But that, that, light, that, excuse me, that class has changed many people's lives. So again, if God's convicting you, I just challenge you to, t to take that step of faith. And I, I only do that because I know how much you're going to be blessed by it. Because you really are trusting in God when you take this step of faith. Now, as we talk about money, I, I just want to be clear. When we talk about membership here at Springbrook, and every member should give, I think some people have in their minds that they have to tithe. That's not, not the case at all. I mean... We just hope you desire to do that, and the Holy Spirit convicts you to do that. Uh, so don't let that hold you back from becoming a member. I mean, you need to get something. But friends, this is between you and God. I encourage you to take this information home and study it and meditate upon it. And you know, look on the Internet. Always be careful. <laughs> but, you know, what is tithing? What is grace giving? And you kind of work through it on your own and make your own uh, decision. But I tell you what, guys. I've been in ministry a long time. I can't tell you how many times people have told me they have just been incredibly blessed because they took that step of faith in tithing to God. In fact, David Green, I was talking with him recently, and he said that God did something miraculous in his life, and he's so kind to come out now and share that with us. Thanks, Dave. Good morning, Springbrook. My name is David Green. And over the last 14 months, I've had the pleasure to get to know many of you. I serve as a head host on the First Impressions team here at Springbrook. My wonderful wife, Lori, is a member of the prayer, the prayer team here. And we became members here at Springbrook in October of last year. When Pastor Dan asked me to speak today about giving, I thought back to what my experience was with learning about tithing and offerings as a new Christian, and I wanted to share those with you. The year was 2008, and I was in a dark, dark hole. I had gone through a nasty divorce several years earlier, and I was still recovering from that, and I was a miserable and angry person. The economy was in tatters at the time. 2008 was rough. I'm sure everybody remembers. In fact, it was so bad that the economists at the time had to come up with a new term for it, it wasn't a recession that we were going through. It was a market correction, whatever that means. But <laughs> that correction, if you want to call it that, had resulted in the company that me and my business partners had formed seven years earlier to have lost over $1 million in 2008, which for a small business of our size was devastating. We were two months away from being bankrupt, and we just laid off a third of our staff. It was the worst of times, and I was a new Christian, and I was desperately seeking the face of the Lord. 
I remember our pastor at the time giving a teaching about tithing and offerings and what our responsibilities were to the Lord. I'd never heard of tithing before, and this was a new concept to me. And the pastor taught how we're commanded to give the first 10% of our earnings to the Lord. And that was our first fruits unto him. My attitude at the time, as far as giving to the church, was pretty casual, let's just say. And it had pretty much been limited to whatever bills or change I had in my pocket on Sunday. And my go-to amount to make it into the offering plate was a $20 bill. I was a saved man, though, and we are taught that a saved man is a changed man. And I wanted to submit to the Lord and follow his word and his laws. But I got to tell you, this whole concept of tithing was like, it was like from outer space to me. And I remember telling my wife, Lori, that I thought our beloved pastor was crazy when he asked us to give 10% of our money to the Lord, especially during a time when our business was failing and we just laid off a third of our staff. More so, the pastor went on to say during this teaching that the word teaches us that we need to give our first fruits to honor the Lord, and then if we hold back from him, we actually would have lack. In fact, we were taught that by withholding from God, not only would we not be blessed, but we were in fact dishonoring him by not having the faith and the obedience to trust in him that he would take care of us, especially during our darkest of times. So I remember praying and pleading, pleading with the Lord. I remember talking to him, and I was, I was saying to him, Lord, you really want me to give you 10% of what little money I'm making when our business is failing and we've just laid off a third of our staff? I don't get it. I don't know what you're doing here. You see, I was, I was having a head-heart conflict. My head was telling me that the logical thing to do was to wait to begin tithing until things were better financially. My heart told me, though, that I needed to submit to God and turn these problems over to him. Finally, my heart went out, and after much prayer, I took a leap of faith, and I began tithing. It was tough at first, but within time, I I tightened my belt, and I adjusted to the change in discretionary income. And before you know it, treading water got a little easier. I felt a change in my heart as I began to submit to God and his laws, And my heart softened, and I was proud of what I was doing. I married Lori, and as a married couple, Lori began to disciple me on what it meant to be a new Christian and to give to the Lord, as she was very faithful in her tithing. We sowed many prayers and seeds, asking for the business to recover, and before you knew it, the Lord began to move with power. Life began to get better, and incredible things began to happen. And 18 months after those layoffs began, and during the worst day of my professional life, the business had recovered and had returned to profitability. There was no coincidence about the fact that this had a direct correlation with when we began tithing and offering diligently and faithfully to the Lord. In 2009-2010, not only did the business make a profit, but we'd recovered all the devastating losses from the million-dollar disaster of 2008 and then some. 2008 was the best, I'm sorry, 2010 was the best year in our company's history, and all the glory went to God. I was happily married, my faith was growing by leaps and bounds, and we are tithing and giving offerings regularly and trying to continually increase our giving as we progressively gave more to the church. And I found that the more I gave, 
the more income we seemed to have. It truly was God. Sometimes the blessings that we received during that time, there were spiritual blessings. Sometimes they were emotional blessings. And as I've recounted, sometimes those blessings were financial too. I realize now why Jesus talks so much about giving and money in the Bible. It really is true. Wherever your heart desires, your treasures will follow. And I noticed that once I started to give generously and submit to the Lord, I truly gave my heart to God. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I pray with you. Thanks, buddy. Wow. Oh, Dave, stay here. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you uh, for David giving glory to you and Lori uh, and how their lives were transformed when they made you number one and they started the tithe. And uh, Lord, I've heard so many stories like that. And they're all amazing miracles. And, and again, we boldly talk about giving every year here at Springbrook. We are not ashamed because when people give in the way that God instructs, uh, it's a huge spiritual step to take, but I tell you, it transforms their thinking about their finances. So I pray for my friends out here or and if you're struggling right now with it, I pray that they talk to somebody. Uh, if they have questions, or talk to me. And uh, Lord, I pray that uh, they'd study it more if they're not quite sure. And Lord, I pray, though, uh, that they, we would all grow in generosity because it truly is a key that unlocks our hearts to you. In Christ's name, amen. <laughs>